This is Betsy Gardner, editor at Data Smart City Solutions at the Bloomberg Center for Cities at Harvard University. And you're listening to the Data Smart City Pod, where we bring on top innovators and experts to discuss the future of cities and how to become data smart. Welcome back. This is Professor Stephen Goldsmith at the Harvard Kennedy School Bloomberg Center on Cities with another one of our podcasts. And today we have a particularly esteemed guest, Clarence Anthony, the CEO, Executive Director of the National League of Cities, the largest and oldest organization representing American cities. I know it's the oldest because I was a member like 50 years ago and have been affiliated ever since. So I know how esteemed it is and how old it is. Not how old Clarence is, but how old NLC (laughs) is. So Clarence, we're delighted to have you. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule to spend a few minutes with us today. Well, Stephen, thank you so much. And I I will probably refer to you as mayor, deputy mayor, all those things every once in a while, because we have been in this journey together for a couple of decades. So I'm just so honored to be here today. Thank you. Thank you. I like that title, mayor. And I remember when you first came to NLC. And so I appreciate the great accomplishments you've made. How about a minute or two about your background, right? What was your career before you came to NLC? And just a little bit about how you viewed your job there. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i a former mayor myself. Right out of grad school, I went back home to my hometown, South Bay, Florida, and went to a city council meeting and uh, wasn't happy with what the mayor said to me at a ripe old age of 23. And I decided to run for mayor in a runoff. I won by 33 votes. So I considered that a mandate. So at 24, I was able to become an elected official, not knowing anything really, except what I learned in graduate school and got involved in the Florida League of Cities, the National League of Cities, and then worked for a year and a half or so uh, globally at United Cities and local government in Barcelona, Spain. And then this job came up and man, I could not believe they hired me actually Uh, I really felt like they would only hire someone who was a professional association manager. But I think what the board at that time was looking for was a leader who really had the real experience, the life experience of being a municipal official, but still being able to recognize that there's a corporate responsibility, a corporate skill base that was needed to run the organization. So I can't believe it. I've been here 10 years and still enjoying what I do. Good. I'm sure I can tell you're enjoying what you do. And you do a lot. I mean, uh, NLC supports local leaders, residents, childhood education, juvenile justice, rental assistance, homeowners programs. I mean, particularly now where there's so much activity at the national level that relates to cities. And our audience is similarly interested in many of the same issues. We have a little bit of a concentration on data and technology. So Inside that group, how does NLC think about advancing the use of data and technology to address some of those issues? Well, we recognize in this day and time, having accurate and transparent data is so important in helping local governments make smart decisions and create informed, equitable policies that are inclusive to all the residents that live in that community. And some of those um, help to solve many issues, but the housing crisis issue, the new infrastructure policies that are out there, like you said, supporting early childhood education, and especially during the pandemic, 
I think data and the data tools were in your face every day uh, during the pandemic because they wanted to figure out, you know, what was happening in each community, what was happening in the regions in America, where was access of the vaccine. So all of that information continued to be important. As it relates specifically to a couple of things, you know, supporting rental assistance and home ownership programs uh, is one area. For example, the city of Detroit is using some of its ARPA funds to gather up-to-date data and develop a citywide website that provides accurate information to residents who are interested in affordable housing availability so that they can get clear information and guidance. And I think that's very, very important for local leaders to have that. The other issue is the issue of uh, expanding broadband access. NLC is working with Esri in three cities, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Percival, Virginia, and Butte Silver Bow, Montana, all of those regional cities to help expand affordable housing, reliable broadband to those communities. So it's happening. It's happening regionally. It's happening to large cities, small cities, rural, urban cities, that they are all coming to the decision that data transformation, being transparent, and being equitable by using data is very helpful in the real governance process. It's interesting. Your examples remind me of the scope of NLC's reach between large cities and very small cities. It's a unique uh, portfolio. I know you were an early leader on the equity initiatives that now so many cities are involved in. You know, I have a couple of questions. One is, do you see a pretty broad use of Justice 40 categories from the federal government? And what's the NLC Race, Equity, and Leadership Initiative, the real initiative, all about? Well, let me start with the legislation first. I think the Biden administration was very clear in the passage of the ARPA dollars, as well as the bipartisan infrastructure bill that we were encouraging uh, the viewpoint of looking at equity, racial equity, specifically outlined in the law. And I think what that caused most of the officials to do is to really look at everything that they're doing and identify the gaps by using data, GIS mapping, and public engagement. All of those were elements that city leaders are now using in order to implement those dollars and using those dollars in an equitable way. So let's talk about race equity and leadership. You know, in 2014, we found that it was important to create an initiative that would help local leaders to be able to address the issues of race equity. And the L in real is about leadership. And that's our responsibility as the National League of Cities is to help municipal leaders to be able to really get ready to lead in those challenging times. We have continued to use the race equity and leadership initiative to provide those skills that are important to lead when it happens in communities, because most times you see an issue that is a racial challenge or police community issue or When an African-American is killed by a police officer, city leaders on television often say, I can't believe it's happening in my community. And so we take the point that we need to prepare just in case 
all of our leaders with the skills to lead a diverse community. So since 2014, we have worked with our state municipal leagues. We've worked with cities all over America. We created a program called Real Institute, which brings together 12 cities, a cohort of cities that are working directly with our team to go deeply, a deep dive and examine how to build the right internal infrastructure to develop what we call a municipal equity plan, to make their community better, to make it more inclusive, and to make it a city where everybody feels as if they have an opportunity. You know, the long-term vision uh, is to help create a country made up of communities in which local leaders is equipped to effectively lead and serve inclusive communities. Using data, using public input, but also using the role of municipal leadership to do that is what our overall mission is and goal. It's a comprehensive answer. Do you, you without putting you on the spot, do you see cities in particular you'd call out as doing a great job with data and equity or technology generally? I think a, a couple of cities, we're, we're working all over America to identify those cities that are, in fact, doing that. Uh, Fort Worth, Texas is one city that we have worked with, and I think that they have been able to collect data working with their police department and the community to see how their service is being provided. South Bend, Indiana is using GIS and mapping to track internet connectivity in an equitable way to see if communities of color are being left behind. But if they identify that, South Bend has said, we're going to create a future digital and equity connectivity program so that we address those gaps. Syracuse, New York is another example. The leadership there is tracking data on road use access from different neighborhoods really to prioritize where should we pave and where should we wait to pave next snow year, I would say. And so that the streets really are being looked at in a comprehensive way, a planned way, in an equitable way. So we have communities, I mean, Phoenix, Arizona is using data to help career counseling, to find out where the opportunities for jobs are and where the residents are and see if we can use that data to encourage companies to locate in specific neighborhoods. So there are, in fact, city leaders that are saying, we want to do the right thing. We want to do it in a way that it's fair and equitable. And using data-driven initiatives and processes is a more equitable way of uh, addressing some of the challenges in their community. Clarence, last question. Again, thanks for your leadership for so many cities and towns across the U.S. If we look out a, a few years, you look at the initiatives of NLC, many of our, most of our listeners are members of NLC. So if you take those folks that listen to our podcast and they're members of NLC and they're going to look to NLC for leadership, kind of uh, where should they concentrate? Where do you see the future of the next several years as areas of greatest benefit and opportunity? Wow, that's a good question because it's interesting. NLC is turning 100 years old in 2024. Mm -hmm. And we, in fact, are pondering that issue and that topic of what will cities look like in the next 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Of course, 
Stephen, you and I will be around for the hundredth, the next hundredth year of <laughs> NLC. You know, from a technological perspective, cities are in, encountering all kinds of new technologies every day, whether it's artificial intelligence, automation, electric vehicles, or there's a number of trends. And there's a lot of opportunity to build strong, robust communities that are inclusive as we look toward the next uh, 100 years of local leadership. It will be about technology and data that we make communities better. Um, and I think that the role and always been the role of local government is that we lead first. We are the ones that people look for every day to address the issues. We're at the post office, the grocery store, and you've heard these stories before. And if you really want real technology, data, you start at the local level to resolve the problems. Because it's been said, if you want something done right and quickly, give it to a local leader. And I think you would say, give it to a mayor and they will take it and, and make it happen. The other thing, I think that local leaders have to be strategic and prioritize what technology investments are important to their cities and whether it's aligned with their city's values and vision. Because I think, you know, some elected leaders may want to focus on metering, for example. Some may want to focus on lighting systems because of public safety. Um, you know, others want to focus on technology as a way of getting it to the right community, right zip code. I think all of those things are important. But to me, the important thing is getting a plan and getting a priority and funding those priorities based upon the gaps that exist in their community. We know that from what we see, but data and information really guides us to really get the right priorities. And that's what I'm excited about for the next 50 years, let's say, uh, that data is going to be a way to just break down a lot of barriers and provide a lot of opportunity to residents that have not had an opportunity in the past. Great answer, Clarence. I look forward to hosting you on our podcast once every century. Glad we could fit it in this time. This is Steve Goldsmith again, a professor of urban policy at Harvard's Kennedy School with a terrific Clarence Anthony, CEO of NLC. Thank you, Clarence, for your time today. Thank you so much. And it's always great to partner with you. So let's do some other stuff together, too, because I'm excited. If you liked this podcast, please visit us at datasmartcities.org. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was hosted by Stephen Goldsmith and produced by me, Betsy Gartner. Thanks for listening.